I was watching a news program the other day that featured a question and answer session with an archbishop. It was a great segment and a good way to tackle some of the issues that the church is facing. One of the people asked the archbishop why the church didn't address the issue at its root and allow priests to marry. Of course, implying that pedophilia is a consequence of celibacy. Okay, this makes absolutely no sense. How can people think that? For the last year, I've had a gentleman who emails me complaining about the church, and one of his complaints is about compulsory celibacy. He also believes that celibacy leads priests to sexually abuse children. Now let me make this very clear, just in case any of you are thinking along the same lines. I know a lot of people who are celibate because they are single or because they've chosen that for themselves. In fact, as a deacon, once I am ordained, if my wife dies, I am not allowed to remarry. That is one of the things that I will agree to. So I will be a celibate. Does that mean that I will turn into a pedophile? Are any of your single celibate friends pedophiles? Of course not. If a priest who has a healthy sexuality and is emotionally and psychologically stable wants to have sex, he can leave the priesthood and get married or have an affair. There is no connection between celibacy and pedophilia. And as far as celibacy being compulsory, no one is forcing a priest to stay celibate. Let me say it again. If they can't handle being celibates, they can leave the priesthood and get married. So please, don't go around talking nonsense. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello, it's Saturday night, and that means... Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. I'm Chris Dimitrenko. And we're back with our regular programming. Mary Rose will be bringing us up to speed with what's happening in diocese across the country. And Chris, you have news. Yes, we'll be doing a recap of the Pope's visit to Malta, which also had reverberations on a lot of the other a lot of the other subjects of interest in the Catholic Church right now. Yeah, for sure. Now, mm-hmm. Chris, um, uh, tell me something. Uh, at Mass on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, was was a message from the Archbishop read? Uh, yes, it was. Um, I believe at, at all the Masses across the Archdiocese. Yeah. So, I mean, I had already read the message. Yes, so had I. And uh, and uh, so it was an opportunity to, to hear it again. But I, I'm certainly for most Catholics in the Archdiocese, they hadn't they hadn't seen this. Yeah, so this was the Archdiocese of Toronto. Mm-hmm. The Archbishop uh, sent a message to all 255 parishes. And uh, I must be honest because it in my parish, it seems like we've been talking about the sex abuse scandal. I mean, the pastor spoke about it for maybe three weeks in a row we've been talking about it. So, so some people felt that it was a little too much. Um, but uh, Archbishop Collins, Toronto's Archbishop, um, spoke to the priests of the Archdiocese during the Chrism Mass on Holy Week, and that is a message that we'll be, we will be sharing with our listeners today. Um, and uh, we also will have a chance to listen to some gospel music. Chris, do you like gospel music? Like true gospel music. Oh, I love true gospel yeah. music. W- you're going to enjoy today's program then. Well, there's that wonderful show, BET's Celebration of Gospel, oh, that yes. kind of introduced me to the genre, and I think it's fantastic. It's a great uh, mm-hmm. great uh, genre of music. Have you ever heard of the UFT Gospel Choir? Choir? No, you know I haven't. That the no. University of Toronto has this amazing gospel choir. It's one of the leading gospel choirs in the country, and they are preparing now for their spring concert, and so we will be speaking with their uh, director, Lisa Toussaint, 
today. And that's where we begin with their song, Great Are You, Lord.
That was the University of Toronto Gospel Choir with their song, Great Are You, Lord. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org and our blog can be found at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. My name is Pedro and here with me now is Mary Rose Bacani for the first half of our events. Thank you, Pedro. Okay, so first of all, the Archdiocese of Vancouver will be holding their annual event they call Youth Day. And this weekend, for young people to celebrate and grow in their faith, will take place at Archbishop Kearney Regional Secondary School in Port Coquitlam on Friday and Saturday, May 7th and 8th. The theme this year is Radical Commitment taken from, taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 17. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Archbishop Michael Miller will celebrate Mass. The keynote speaker is Jesse Manibusen and local speakers will lead the Divine Time Prayer Workshops. With that and the Priest versus Youth Soccer game, as well as the Afternoon Social, this promises to be an unforgettable weekend. Cost is only $50, which includes t-shirt, meal, snacks, and admission to all sessions. Early registration deadline to guarantee your t-shirt is this coming Monday, April 26th. So for more info and to watch the promo videos, go to rcav.org. And on Wednesday, May 5th, the Archdiocese of Edmonton will be celebrating World Mission Day, which is usually celebrated on the first Wednesday of each year. And since 1999, the Archdiocese has been inviting elementary and junior high school students throughout the Archdiocese to gather in prayer at a Mass celebrated by the Archbishop. Now, fundraising is not a requirement to attend the Mass. However, most of the schools attending have done some fundraising during Lent and choose this time to present their check made payable to the Holy Childhood Association to the Archbishop during the presentation of gifts. And the event takes place at Holy Trinity Parish in Spruce Grove. That's Wednesday, May 5th in the Archdiocese of Edmonton. And finally, in the Archdiocese of Toronto, Scarborough Mission's 2010 Spring Interfaith Education Program in collaboration with the Canadian Centre for Diversity brings you a talk that explores Jewish ethics. It's entitled March of Remembrance and Hope, given by Carla Witt, Vice President of Programs for the Canadian Centre for Diversity. Now, this evening will take place on Wednesday, Wednesday, April 28th at Scarborough Missions in Scarborough from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. For more information, contact L. Thorson, T-H-O-R-S-O-N, at scarboroughmissions.ca. That's Scarborough O-R-O. And that's it the events very good thank you very much um it, it's it's it for the events for now because mary rose you will be back at the end of the show that with, is right with some details about another wonderful event an annual event that's taking place out in the east coast steubenville atlantic so stay tuned you're listening to salt and light radio on the catholic channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org radio i'm pedro guevara man and mary rose just stepped out uh, but she will return later. In the meantime, Chris is now here with us with uh, some news. The Pope just uh, had a wonderful weekend in Malta. Yes, it was. It was a trip that was a little bit in doubt because of the uh, the volcanic ash that's been in the air in Europe from, yes. the, uh, from the volcano in Iceland. But it went off without a problem. Uh, the Holy Father arrived uh, on the 17th of, of April, so it was just a two-day trip, so a fairly short one. Yes. And he began by visiting the cave of St. Paul. And it's here where tradition holds that the, the Apostle Paul lived for three months when he was stranded in Malta. Shipwrecked. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and then that same day, thousands of children packed into St. George's Square 
in Valletta, which is the capital of Malta, to sing a belated happy birthday in English, German, Italian, and Maltese. Nice. Uh, this was kind of a surprise, I understand. Now, the Pope smiled, waved, and blessed the children. Um, then the next day, the Holy Father had Mass in the Floriana Granaries. They're called this because it once conserved Malta's food supplies. So this was the, the large open Mass with mm -hmm. many thousands in attendance. And, uh, and also that day, there was a special meeting with young people at the great port of Valletta. And this was uh, in honor of the 1950th anniversary of St. Paul's arrival in Malta. And uh, the Pope uh, evoked St. Paul's arrival by, by sailing across Malta's Grand Harbor. And uh, he rode together with groups of teens aboard a large white catamaran called San Paul. Mm -hmm. And so this sort of evoked, I thought, uh, the World Youth Days in in Cologne, Germany, and also in, in Sydney Brought as well. Brought memories, where right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was able to be on the boat for, for the latter yes. uh, World Youth Day. And so this seems to be a trademark now. Yes. Uh, then, th then there was the farewell ceremony in, in Malta on what was called Flight uh, 1950, Flight 1950, named for, um, uh, named for this anniversary. And on this flight, uh, they also honored the fifth anniversary of the pontificate. And uh, Air Malta, the crew that was operating the flight, gave the Pope a traditional Maltese cake made of ground almonds. And uh, in terms of the overall impressions of the trip, one of the veteran Vatican watchers, John Allen, said, uh, used the metaphor of the volcanic ash, saying that um, in, th in the same way that this sexual abuse crisis has really created a cloud over uh, the pontificate right now, um, this trip to Malta seemed to offer a break in the storms, and it really was uh, a celebration. Uh, there weren't protests, as some people thought that there might be. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and also, uh, John Allen said that the Vatican strategy for the event seemed to be let Benedict be Benedict. In other words, uh, let him continue on uh, in the same manner that, that many of his papal visits did, including returning to some classic themes such as defending Christian identity and also upholding traditional Catholic positions on, on some social issu issues like abortion, mm. divorce, and immigration. These all came up. Um, John Allen also noted that the trip seemed to be defined less by the content than by the mood. And he said that this event in the harbor with the Pope on the catamaran, it showed that the Pope isn't uh, heading for the bunkers and, and hiding away from the world, but he's, he's facing this he head on, and he's not going to let this take over the agenda of the church and get in the way of, of people's um, uh, right, right to celebrate the church. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, Chris Dimitrenko, our uh, Salt and Light Radio News producer, uh, will return in about 20 minutes to tell us uh, some more news. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. The church is going through some trying times, and one day has not gone by since Holy Week that the secular media has not been reminding us. There is a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of confusion and so many bishops and the Holy Father have been addressing the issue. What is the church doing to deal with these abuses and what is she doing to ensure that they don't happen again? Toronto's Archbishop Thomas Collins is one of the Canadian bishops who's been very clear about the issue and has been openly communicating with the press and his parishioners. Last Holy Week during the annual Chrism Mass he addressed all the priests from the diocese. 
We share it with you in the hopes that it will help you answer some of the questions that you also may have. Each of us here present can think of the faithful priests who were used by God to inspire us with the call to the priesthood. Their example of lifelong, joyful, priestly service speaks more than words can do of the significance of being consecrated as a priest. After Mass, we will gather to celebrate the priestly service of those ordained for 25, 50, and 60 years. This day we give thanks to God for their fidelity. In May, we will celebrate the ordination of more new priests whom we welcome into the presbyterate of this archdiocese. We learn about the real meaning of the priesthood at ordinations, when we experience the beginning of the joy of the consecration to the priestly mission, at anniversaries, when we celebrate the milestones of priestly service, and finally at the funeral of a priest, when we gather to give thanks to God for a life of faithful service. People expect that one who is consecrated with the holy oil of chrism will act in an exemplary manner and never betray the trust which people know they should be able to place in a Catholic priest. At his ordination, we pray, bless this chosen man and set him apart for his sacred duties. And yet to our shame, some have used the awesome gift of the holy priesthood for base personal gratification, betraying the innocent and devastating their lives. When that happens, our first concern must be for those innocent young people who have been abused, to help them overcome their suffering, and to resolve to take whatever steps are needed to be as sure as is possible that this does not happen again. We have all had to learn through failures and mistakes, and that is especially true of bishops who have sometimes failed in their responsibility to act effectively. For this diocese, anyone who looks at our website can see the policies that are in place to help us to act rightly, but we must never be satisfied. We cannot escape the horror of this by pointing out that almost all priests serve faithfully, though that fact is a grace that gives joy to the Catholic people whose love and prayerful support sustains us all. But even one priest gone wrong causes immense harm, and throughout the world, priests have done unspeakable evil. We should be grateful for the attention which the media devotes to the sins of Catholic clergy. Even if constant repetition may give the false impression that Catholic clergy are particularly sinful, that attention is a profound tribute to the priesthood which we celebrate at this Mass of the Chrism. People instinctively expect holiness in a Catholic priest and are especially appalled when he does evil. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and we're listening to a homily by Toronto's Archbishop Thomas Collins given at the annual Chrism Mass this past Holy Week addressing the current sex abuse scandals. Here is the second half of that message. As we look to the continuing painful purification of the Church, we all need in a particular way to give thanks to God for the leadership of Joseph Ratzinger as Cardinal and Pope, who has acted decisively, fairly, consistently, 
and courageously to purify the priesthood and to make the church a safe place for everyone. Anyone with any knowledge of this terrible reality realizes that Pope Benedict has led the way in confronting this evil. As this day we celebrate the Mass of the Chrism, we are reminded once more of the profound consecration to Christ that is at the heart of the priesthood. In this year, especially when we celebrate the year of the priest, we call to mind the faithful priests who inspired us to respond to the call to the priesthood. We resolve to live each day as faithful priests in joyful service of our Lord. In a particular way, we look to the example and pray for the intercession of our heavenly patron, St. John Vianney, the Holy Cure of ours. It is interesting that we usually simply call him, not by his name, but by his mission. He is for us forever the Cure of ours, the pastor of his people in that little village in France. I have just finished reading another biography describing his life, and I was profoundly moved when at the end of a chapter describing his early life and the first few years as a young priest assisting the holy pastor who had inspired him. The author mentions how he was finally given an assignment by the bishop as pastor of a little parish where few people practice their faith. The chapter ends with these words, and so young Father John Vianney set out down the road to become the cure of ours. Yes, that was his new pastoral assignment. But more than that, he set out down that road to become the awesome cure of ours, inspiration to us all. He knelt down on the ground before entering the village to beg God's grace that he might be a good and faithful priest, for he humbly knew his natural limitations. He lived a life of simplicity and humility, above all, constantly praying for his people. I often recall the story of when he wanted to go away to live as a monk in penitence, conscious of his unworthiness to be the pastor of the village, that a young boy grabbed his bravery and Father Vianney returned to ours, for he could not go a step further without the bravery through which he offered prayers daily for his people. He was aware that the struggle was not merely with earthly dangers and evils, but against satanic powers as well. He was no fool nor naive. He lived simply for the service of his people, day after day, praying for them. He was, above all, the saint of the confessional, making the sacrament of reconciliation freely available to people who eventually came from all over the world to go to confession to him. And he was famous for giving light penances to the penitents, for he did their penances for them. He is our patron saint, our hero, the model of a parish priest, of a man who knew what it meant to be ordained to the holy priesthood and consecrated with the sacred chrism to the faithful, constant, total priestly service of God's people. That was Toronto's Archbishop Thomas Collins during his homily given at the Chrism Mass last Holy Week. 
Here now is our featured music group of the week, the U of T Gospel Choir, with their song, I Surrender.
And that was the University of Toronto Gospel Choir with their song, I Surrender. We will be speaking to the choir's director, Lisa Toussaint, coming up. But first, here back with us is Chris. Hi, Pedro. Uh, Pedro, there is one aspect of this papal visit to Malta that we didn't discuss earlier, mm -hmm. and this was the Holy Father's meeting with sex abuse victims yeah. uh, in Malta. And this is something that, that happened uh, back in 2008 for the first time in the United States and then in Australia where the Pope privately met uh, abuse victims. Uh, these, these meetings are never advanced beforehand, announced beforehand. Uh, it seems that the Pope doesn't want this to turn into a media spectacle. Right. And so only after it's, it's occurred is a press release issued saying that, that this happened. And, and also I should note that there was another meeting with abuse victims and that was actually um, representatives of First Nations, Aboriginal people from Canada who met the Pope in Rome in April 2009. So this is also becoming sort of a, a hallmark of this pontificate, that the Pope is willing to, to meet face to face and show real pastoral concern uh, for these individuals. And in this case, it really seemed like the meeting had an impact. Um, one of the, the victims, whose name is Lawrence Grech, uh, he's the primary spokesperson for this group of, I believe, eight victims in Malta all met the Pope. He said that this was extraordinary, the occurrence was out of this world, and uh, and that this was a step in the process of healing for him. Uh, he said, uh, he told uh, the Malta Independent newspaper, for a long time I haven't gone to Mass and I had lost the faith. Now I feel like a convinced Catholic again. And he said that he asked the Pope to pray for him so that the void which had been left by the abuse would be filled. And uh, and also apparently the Pope told him, this is according to, uh, to Greg, that, uh, that he commended him for being brave enough to speak out about his ordeal. And uh, another victim whose name was Joseph Magro, who's 38, uh, he said of his meeting, I no longer had faith in priests. Now after having had this moving experience, I have begun to hope again. You in Italy, he's telling this to, uh, to a reporter, you in Italy, you have a saint. Do you understand me? You have a saint. So he clearly speaks uh, right. very, very highly of Pope Benedict and, and the kind of concern that he showed for him. And speaking more about the Pope, he said, I was very struck by the fact that he was greatly pained. It was evident that he was suffering with me. I did not want to cause him suffering. I did not tell him the abuse I suffered, but he cried with me, despite being in no way to blame for what happened to me. And uh, another one of the victims said that, you know, this was another side of the Pope that they had not really experienced. This isn't the Pope that we often see in the media um, who, who is there as really as a pastor for these individuals. Now, um, after the trip, again, going back to the, the abuse crisis, people have wondered, you know, how does the Pope feel about all this criticism, which, which many Catholics feel is, is misdirected towards him? And he told a meeting of 46 cardinals um, the next day uh, during a, a fifth anniversary celebration for his pontificate. Um, that he feels not alone, that he feels he has around him the College of Cardinals with whom he can share his tribulations and consolations. Now this was a private event, but L'Osservatore Romano, the semi-official Vatican newspaper, reported this. And, uh, and also in particular, uh, the Pope said the Col College of Cardinals is, is almost like his synod, his permanent company, which helps him and supports him in his work. And uh, now the Pope will be going on a number of uh, pastoral visits uh, in the coming year. And earlier this week, the Vatican announced the dates of those. 
um, for some more of the, the trips that are coming up. Uh, for example, on April 2nd, he'll be going to Turin, and the full itinerary of that trip was released to, to, to see the Shroud of Turin, mm -hmm. and uh, when this will be exposed. Uh, then later on in May, uh, he'll be going to Portugal, then in June, Cyprus, uh, and in September, uh, he will be going to the United Kingdom. We also know that there will be a papal visit this year uh, to Spain uh, for the anniversary of the Compostela pilgrimage. Yes, that'll be exciting. I'd like to join him on that trip. Well, it's, it's hard to keep <laughs> track of all the, all the yes. papal visits that are, uh, that are happening. But yes. uh, this certainly um, gives us an idea, the trip to Malta, of what these visits will be like um, after this really uh, extraordinary last uh, few months of criticism directed at the Pope. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Thank you very much, Chris. Again, that was our Salt and Light Radio News producer, Chris Dimitrenko. If you'd like to comment on anything you hear on our program, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, this is Dennis Grady, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. When we think of gospel music, we generally think of the American South. But what would you say if I told you that the largest university in Canada, in Toronto, the University of Toronto, has one of the country's leading gospel choirs? Well, here joining me now is the director of the U of T Gospel Choir, Lisa Toussaint. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So you've been part of this choir since, well, you're the founding director, so since 1995. Yes. How is it that the University of Toronto has a gospel choir? Uh, you know, it's a very interesting story. Um, back in 1995, uh, my sister Rhonda and a friend Tracy Hamilton uh, were on campus and just thought it would be nice to do something to commemorate Black History Month. Okay. Uh, other than just showing, you know, some kind of Black History-themed movie or having a, a sort of regular event that we would usually have, they thought it would be nice to sort of um, pay homage to music of black history. Right. So they just decided that they would advertise on campus and get as many people that were interested as possible to come out um, without auditioning, to just uh -huh. do a few rehearsals, uh, and then have a, a, a history, black history concert at the end of February at Hart House, which is on campus. Yes. And so that's how it started. Uh, it was just to do just for that, for that event. particular event. And Rhonda asked me to do her a favor and direct this choir. Okay. And I did, and it ended up being 15 years of, <laughs> okay. of doing a favor. So but it was really just for Black History Month in uh, 1995. It wasn't supposed to continue. Okay, so yeah. but you must have had a great response then, not just to the, I mean, to the auditions, but also from the point of view of the audience oh absolutely yes it was it was uh, we had a great turnout we sold the event out and i think we had about 50 people come out regularly to rehearse uh in preparation for the concert now in so it was overwhelming in yeah. 1995 were you a student at the university of toronto uh, yes i was a music major okay i presume not you're not then. still a student i am not <laughs> a student no longer you graduated <laughs> but you're still involved with the choir are are your members students or can anybody join this choir? You have to be a student uh, of U of T because we are considered a student group. Okay. Uh, the majority of the choir are undergrads or alum of uh, U of T. Uh, there are a few people that um, are from a couple of other schools in the city, 
but uh, as of a few years ago, we decided to streamline it a little bit and, and make it more focused on U of T. So that's why we accept only U of T undergrads uh, and some alum who were in the choir and graduated but have still remained. Right. And how many members are in the choir? We currently have about 30, 30 to 35 people okay. in the choir. And, and it's singers and musicians? Um, 30 to 35 singers. And then I have a separate uh, set of musicians that play for us who are not affiliated with you. Right, because your, 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 your production, we've just been listening to some of your, the tracks, and the, the music production is, is excellent. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> it's very Thank good. You. Now, let me ask you this, because University of Toronto is a secular university. I yes. know that some Christian groups have even had issues with the university administration. Mm -hmm. It's very clear from looking at your website that, this, that, that, that your choir has a very distinct Christian mission. Yeah. Um, why is that? So, so why is that important, I guess? Um, well, you know, when the choir first started, we just wanted to, uh, outside of Black History Month, when we, when we decided to continue, um, it was important for us to have um, an opportunity to open up uh, a space for young people to come uh, and fellowship and worship and get to know one another um, in, in Christian love. Uh -huh. And so we just made it very clear from the get-go that that was our aim. So, you know, when you join the choir, you know right away that we're not just um, a gospel choir, but we are a, a choir that sings the gospel. And to me, there is a difference. So you have a very specific missionary approach. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Um, do, you, do you pray as a group, or how does that how does what does that mean in terms of what a regular rehearsal might look like for example um we start rehearsal with prayer and we end rehearsal with prayer um at the end of every rehearsal we give people an opportunity to um uh just uh share any concerns uh, that they may have or any prayer requests that they need right. whether it's for themselves or for their family uh, and I email those prayer requests weekly to the choir so that we may keep each other focused on and in prayer uh, weekly. So we, that is a very important part of what we do. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this time, our featured music group of the week is the University of Toronto Gospel Choir. This is Sultan Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking with the choir's director, Lisa Toussaint. Um, uh, uh, just one... one uh, one other question, because there's a quote on your website that I that I, I actually was drawn to it and I love. What makes our ministry so special is the combination of an adoring belief in our Lord and Savior and the passion and willingness of the choir to usher in the presence of God through song and the spoken word. Um, do you have to be a Christian to belong to this choir? Or do you have members that are, who are not Christian but who are okay with that? I have people audition all the time that are uh, were raised in the church, but then as they got older and were able to make their own decisions, sort of straight away. Right. Um, I would never turn someone away for that reason. Okay. I think it's important for people to be open to what we do. So that that's sort of you know what I tell people as they come in. I mean, you may not be a believer. Um, a strong believer or have a strong faith, but if you're going to be a part of this choir, this is what we do. I do not compromise lyrics. I do not, it's not wishy-washy for me. It's very right. clear-cut what we believe and what our purpose is. So if people are willing to be a part of that, 
then by all means. Right. So, so I never push it on you, but I also want people to know that this is what we do. Yeah, and you have so a very specific. If you're okay mission. with it, then yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now I I know that you have a concert coming up. This is the the end of the school year. Or, yes. or spring concert, Gospel Fest, on right. May, May 1st, next Saturday. Um, do uh, This particular concert is in Scarborough, Ontario. It's, it's in the Toronto area. Do yeah. you ever have opportunities for people who are not in the Toronto area to listen to your choir? Absolutely. Um, we are asked to sing throughout the city, even outside of the city. Um, so whether it's in, you know, Brampton or uh, in Midtown Toronto or out in Scarborough, even further uh, east, uh, we sing everywhere. So if people ever want to find out what our itinerary is, they can always go onto our website right. uh, or join our mailing list um, and and find out where we are monthly. Okay, good. And uh, we will make sure people have this website. It's also on our website. Um, so then details for the concert next week. Yeah. Uh, it's Gospel Fest. Is it right. Gospel Fest 15 because it's the 15th, it's the 15th year. Since it's our 15th anniversary. That's Excellent. right. Excellent. And yeah. so it's at Global Kingdom Ministries, um, yep. uh, 1250 Markham Road, Scarborough, Ontario. Um, is it, uh, I understand you also have some special guests performing with you yes. that night? We've invited uh, Paige Strachman. Mm -hmm. She's a former lead singer of Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. So she'll be flying in from New York to, to sing at the concert. And we also have uh, Joy Lapps, who is a phenomenal steel pianist. Oh, yeah. She will be playing um, just different styles of music on the steel pan uh, to, to bless people. And you really have to hear her. She's, she's fantastic. Oh, that sounds amazing. Fantastic. That yeah. sounds amazing. So, um, so the concert, uh, people can get more information, as you mentioned, at your website, UT, yes. UTGC, University of Toronto Gospel Choir, dot org. Yes. And the tickets are, if you buy them in advance, they're $10. Correct. People can buy them off your website, correct? They can, uh, they can go on ticketweb.ca and buy them there. Uh, if they go on our website, they will see that there's also four ticket locations throughout the city, in Scarborough, in Pickering, in Brampton. Right. Um, or they can uh, you know, leave us a message on our website if they're having trouble accessing tickets. Right. We can coordinate something yeah, with now. them. And, and I would advise people that if you are able to go and you're interested, you should get the tickets in advance. They're $10 in advance. You can buy them at the door, but they're slightly more expensive. They're $20 yeah. at the door. That's so, right. Uh, and I can guarantee you that it will be sold out. Um, so... Uh, Thank you so much, Lisa. This has been really great. It's been great listening to, to your music. So Thanks uh, so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. Um, that was Lisa Toussaint. She's the director of the U of T Gospel Choir. We do have two tickets for next week's concert to give away. It's very easy. If you're listening and you're close to a computer, just send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Unfortunately, you have to be in the Toronto area. You have to be willing or able to attend the concert in Scarborough, uh, the, the tickets will be left for you at the door. But send us an email if you want two free tickets, radio at saltandlighttv.org. And again, you can find out more about the U of T Gospel Choir at their website, utgc.org. And remember, all the links to all our guests and featured artists are also found on our own website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now to get you uh, more interested in those two tickets is the uh, U of T Gospel Choir with their song, Send Me. How many wants God to send you? Yes, Lord. 
Thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's a privilege.
And that was our featured music group of the week, the U of T Gospel Choir, with their song, Send Me. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. And our blog can be read at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. Now back here with us is Mary Rose with some news about a yearly event that's coming to Nova Scotia. That's right. So as some of you know, Halifax is the city that's teeming with culture heritage and for some reason I'm thinking of lots of seafood and yes, music and fun and lobster so that's the Atlantic for you now John Stevens has has been the coordinator of youth ministry for the Archdiocese of Halifax for six years and he spent this time helping young people live it up with events like Steubenville Atlantic so I had a chat with him a few days ago about his work in youth ministry hello John thanks for joining us for salt and light radio well thank you for having me and now you're organizing a big event this summer you call Steubenville Atlantic. Tell us about this. Steubenville Atlantic is, a, is an Atlantic Regional Youth Conference where we try to gather together young people from uh, all the different dioceses in Atlantic Canada uh, for a weekend of uh, great music, of, of great uh, talks, of lots of fun and lots of chances to meet uh, other people, and especially a chance to meet Jesus Christ. And why is it called Steubenville Atlantic? Well. It has to do with our partner organization. We partner with the Franciscan University, uh, which is in Steubenville, Ohio, and uh, they started the youth conferences over 30 years ago now on their campus, and uh, they've partnered with other organizations in the U.S., and we're the only one in Canada. And uh, for some reason, the the conferences took on the name of the town as opposed to the name of the university, and it's kind of uh, stuck over all these years. Now, how is this different from any other youth conference? I would say it's different from any other youth conference uh, because it brings that special charism that that, uh, the Franciscan University has had over this long, long period of time, like I said, over 30 years of of reaching out and evangelizing young people in this uh, really dynamic and exciting way. And I would say that uh, just given their their success, not only in terms of numbers, where they have, you know, some 40,000 young people go to one of their conferences in the run of the summer, but also just in their longevity says that it really has a unique charism that sets it apart a little bit from other youth conferences. Now you have, you're expecting around 800 young people. Tell us about registrations happening right now and, and how long they're going to be going on for. Sure, registrations are, are just clicking along. We, uh, we opened registration in January and we're just pushing towards 600 people right now. I think we're somewhere in the 550 to 600 range. and. Uh, we expect that be by to 800 by about June 30th when registration closes. Thanks for your time, John. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Bye now. Again, that was John Stevens, coordinator of youth ministry for the Archdiocese of Halifax. To find out more about Steubenville Atlantic, go to steubenville.ca. Great, thank you so much. Uh, great event that's taking place in the East Coast, not just for people in the Halifax area, but of course for people all over. Um, on the East Coast. Uh, So thank you, Mary Rose. And a word of reminder, if you'd like us to talk about your event, it's as easy as sending us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. 
I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And I'm Mary Rose Bacani. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for Witness. Father Thomas Rosica speaks with Michael Brewer, who is the coordinator of the College Councils for the Knights of Columbus. So that's tomorrow, Sunday, April 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. And following Witness uh, with Father Tom Rosica, we have a documentary on mercy. And this new documentary is called Sister of Mercy, and it includes various vignettes on mercy, including the legacy of Mary Baptist Russell. Other vignettes are Where Need Cries Out and Mercy Called to the Same Hope. Actually sounds, sounds really interesting. So that's Sister of Mercy tomorrow, Sunday, April 25th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 p.m. Pacific. And our teen series, In Your Faith, continues on Tuesday with the episode on the Sacrament of Holy Orders titled, who is a priest? So that's In Your Faith every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. And remember that you can find out more information about these programs and other programs at our website, saltandlighttv.org. And if you are outside our broadcast area, area, you can watch all of our programming streaming online at that same website. Just click on the View Live button on the top left side of the screen. And if you missed any part of this broadcast or you want to listen to any Salt and Light radio program, just go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All our shows are archived right there and available for podcasting. And remember to send us your mail. Please let us know your thoughts on anything that you hear on our program. The email is radio at saltandlighttv.org. And that brings us to the end of the program. Next week, we have a featured interview with the new Bishop of Saskatoon, Donald Bolin. So be sure to tune in. I think I will. So thanks for <laughs> being with us. I'm Mary Rose Bacani. Yeah, you better be here. <laughs> and I'm Pedro. This has been Salt and Light Radio.